Ladies and gentlemen, Stuarnies and Cavanis, it's the bloody World Cup! You got to hold and give, but do it at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. They'll always hit you and hurt you, defend and attack. There's only one way to beat them, get round the back. Catch me if you can, cause I'm the demon man. And what you're looking at is the master plan. England! Yes, well, well, we are inside the World Cup, we are within the World Cup, boys. It's we are of the World Cup, yes. en- enveloped by it. My goodness, hasn't it been an outrageous few days? Oh, it's Amazing. been brilliant. Absolutely wonderful start to the tournament. Brilliant, brilliant. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's it's it's... I mean, it started on Friday. I had a terrible day on Friday, I'll be perfectly honest. I had had, had a terrible day of travelling, so I was trying to get back in time to watch the football, and it was just awful. So my beginning to the World Cup was bad, except I then rolled into the uh, Spain versus Portugal game, which we're going to talk about in a little minute. But what I thought we'd do today is we're going to go through all the games. Yep. So during the World Cup, obviously we're trying to squeeze in as many uh, editions of the pod as possible. And we are going to try and cover as many games in as much detail as we possibly can. So let us start at the beginning. Okay. So, so as, an, as an intro to doing that, as a, yeah. as a, a very quick aside, um, the day the World Cup started, I was scanning my phone as, as one does. Um, and one of my Facebook memories was a post I'd put um, a few days into the 2010 World Cup. And my, my, my post was something along the lines of 10 games gone and very little to shout about so far. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, what if it's the same? You know, what if it's a real damn spit? But it could not have been any different to, to no. that. It's been absolutely brilliant. It really has. It's been marvellous. Really and, and the whole thing started perhaps not in the most, uh, most competitive of fashions uh, with the host Russia taking on the uh, plucky young... Uh, Chaps from Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. Yes, I didn't really know what to say because I couldn't think of an adjective that describes what they're like. Bad. Yes. Not, not very Bad, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah maybe, I guess. maybe shit. Would Hopeless. Have been yeah. One. So uh, this this ended up on a five 0 win for the hosts. And what did we learn from this game apart I, I from think, Saudi Arabia? I think it's great when the hosts get off to a good start and mm. and generally do well. I think it keeps the tournament alive to a certain extent. So from that perspective. It was great. Obviously, the atmosphere inside the stadium was really good, and even more so as the goals went in as well. So I, th- I think, in, in those terms, I think it, it was a good result for the tournament. Can I, can I just jump in with a controversial point, a controversial opinion on this? Um, it's kind of people quite often say that it's great when the hosts kind of get through, keeps the tournament. It makes no difference to me whatsoever. South Africa went out in the group stage. I, I, I didn't disenjoy that that tournament any more or less after they went out. Didn't give a shit. Still that didn't. is true. I think if you're there, it probably makes more yeah. of a difference because obviously yeah. I think if you're there the host nation needs to be engaged for the, for people on the street to give a shit yeah, yeah. which maybe makes a difference maybe doesn't but regardless yeah, so I, um, I think I mentioned before so I, I was in Portugal in 2004 and, and the morning after Portugal, Portugal had gone out I was in Lisbon the whole city was just you know it was dead there was no atmosphere all the fans had gone and it felt like the tournament was over so I think I think you're right it's more of a it's more of a thing if you're in and around the stadiums and, and in, and in and around the venues. The one thing I will say is that, is that all the reports so far is that all of the um, the the 
the kind of atmosphere around around Russia has been really good and really positive amongst different sets of fans and everything's been really good. And there is, of course, a risk if in if and when Russia do go out that the the nasty element of Russian uh, supporters yeah. suddenly work, make their way out of the woodwork kind of thing. So hope hopefully if they stay in, maybe that will keep that kind of on the back burner a bit. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, so. and I, th- I think to get a negative out of the way early as well. Most of the stadiums haven't been full. I, th- I think having fewer fans obviously stems stems the risk of any sort of trouble as well um it you know it's it's clearly good that there's no trouble but it's been blatantly obvious on telly that, that most of the grounds haven't been full i don't i don't understand i mean fifa would have known how many tickets they've sold so i don't understand why a day or two before they haven't given a load of tickets to local school kids or, or part of the or... part of the problem is that a whole fuck a load of those empty seats are probably corporate tickets so their their corporate tickets have been given off to 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 sponsors because you know the actual the actual the actual tournament like the actual teams get about what three or four thousand like officially although yeah. you know you watch any england game you know that, that, that they find a way of getting their way in fact you watch a peru game <laughs> the, the, the the supporters find a way of getting in or Mexico. Um, Today. Well, yeah, absolutely. But the um, but so a lot of those have, have been off to um, sponsors and usually given away as prizes, that kind of thing. And quite often they just go end up end, end up just not being optioned. How how many kind of like Carlsberg win a trip to the World Cup cans yeah. do you see on sale after the thing? So like it's so quite often these things are just not getting picked up by the sponsors. What what you do find as well, and this I remember this being the case in London 2012 Olympics. Um, where it's so obvious to the watching world this is a problem it, after a week or so it, it does seem to get fixed somehow and they do seem to get people into these places so yes. hopefully as, as the games go on it right. will be well, less bef- of an issue before we get too bogged down in, in turning this into an observer column about the uh, <laughs> about the exploits of the World Cup let's get back into the football so uh, Russia beat Saudi Arabia 5-0 and uh, one of the most interesting parts of that game, apart from Golovin, who's obviously a player that people were looking at, he had a very good game, I thought, and played very well, uh, was looking up into the boxes and seeing um, Hamid bin Salman, Vladimir Putin, and Gianni Infantino hanging out at the top there, talking football, I imagine. But the thing I like most about that is it reminded me that the head of FIFA is called Gianni Infantino, which also reminded me that, roughly translated, that means Johnny Baby. <laughs> so I think from now on, the head of FIFA, Johnny, Johnny Baby. Baby. And, and, you, and you know how babies just kind of like make a lot of noise and, and just make things kind of more difficult for everybody. Um <laughs> We've we, we've now had the confirmation that the the kind of the USA the new USA World Cup is going yes. to be the forty eight teams, haven't we? Just that is yeah. the Infantino's baby, isn't it? And um, yeah, right. Well, Although, we're going to cover that at the end yeah, of the pod, yeah. Andy. Control yourself. We've no, got no, thousands of games myself. to get through. We've got look, we've got all this World Cup shit to get through. So Russia beat uh, Saudi Arabia five 0 routine victory. Saudi Arabia obviously quite poor. I'm not sure we're going to see much more of them in the following match, which was on the Friday. We saw uh, Egypt take up without Mohamed Salah, and they lost 1-0 to Uruguay. John, what do you think about this one? Um, I thought that, well, my main my main memory from this game is that um, Uruguay were probably a little bit disappointing, um, particularly Suarez looked out of sorts. Was, um, was not Jimenez scoring an absolute bullet header in the was, 89th minute of memory of course it was a cracking header but i think i think uh, considering considering the attacking players that they've got uh, it would have been it would have been nice to see a bit more going forward yeah they should they should Cavani, have, they Cavani should played have. well I they should Cavani and did win the game, though. Well, yeah. So I yeah. think, yeah, a slow start for Uruguay and a very out of It was slightly, um, it's slightly bizarre 
to me at least that Salah was he was obviously on the bench and they they kept him on the bench. Mm. You, can, you know, if, I mean, if he's fit enough to be on the bench. Well, they they've got... And the only reason I could think of is they were sort of happy with a point out of the game and they were hoping yeah. to get a point. I think they've got more winnable games. I think in their planning, they probably would have ruled this one as a loss. I, I, no, I, I, I mean, I, I just, I think that is, like, in, in a three-game tournament, that is, that's a, that's essentially a suicide note because you, um, you, you have absolutely no guarantee what's going to happen in the next two games. When they were taking that, and it was it was it was even Stevens with like twenty minutes to go, bring on one of the world's best strikers. But or he's one... clearly not fit. Well, no, but, but no, but I mean, like he's you know come on for twenty minutes. He's they they said he was going to start right. He's been training, so well, this, well, this, Me- like, this Mido, guy... Mido said he was going to start. I don't know if Mido but is the uh, either, either, <laughs> authority. Either, either, either way, this guy's got twenty minutes. Of, if he hasn't got twenty minutes of football in, in him now, he doesn't have ninety minutes of football within him well, in a week's time. Be on the bench if he hasn't got 20 hey. minutes in the only other thing I could think of is they might have thought perhaps Uruguay out of the three teams in their group Uruguay are probably the ones to target an injured man um, yeah. but but again That's equally why, why have him on the bench at all um, I wasn't was a bit a little bit miffed by that well, we didn't get to see Salah, but we'll see him in the next game, I'm pretty sure, in some respect. But we did see him and Eth score an absolute bullet header in the 89th minute, which was a fantastic end to what was otherwise. Uh, not a particularly exciting match. I yeah, think it felt like a, the, the game was sort of swinging Uruguay's way by that point. I thought, wasn't mm. it? It felt like a goal. The if, last, if it was the last ten, the last ten to twenty minutes were were pretty much all all Uruguay. And and they they are obviously like the better side out of those two, and the better attacking side certainly than better attacking side than a lot of than a lot of teams in in, in the tournament. Again, another reason why I would have stuck Mo Salah on at that point yeah. because give you give yourself some teeth in the final twenty minutes. Well, it didn't happen, Andy. It didn't. It uh, didn't but now I just I think that was a mistake. Really do. Well, well, <laughs> there we go. Andy has ruled that one a yep. mistake. <laughs> they, may, they may come to rue that. We yes, shall see. That's right. But what happened in the game after that in the uh, four o'clock kickoff? was at what I thought was actually a very good match, Morocco-Iran. Now, this one, on paper, might not have been anything special, but I think there was quite a lot going on in this game in the end. It was an interesting one, wasn't it? Cause, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think anyone really expected it to be a, a barnstormer of a game, and, and it wasn't. But um, it was interesting enough uh, to, to keep your, your attention for, for 90 minutes. And resulted it in was a... Good. I think the interesting thing out of, in that game was both of those two teams probably thought if they've got any chance of getting through yeah. the group, yeah. they need to win that game. Um, because they're going to get precious little from the other two, so I think that probably affected the way they played. You know, they were both, you know, as, as you as we said, it was it was a really good game. Both teams seemed to be going for it, and I think that might have been why. Resulting in a famous victory uh, for the Iranians under the tutor- tutelage of Carlos Quiros. And a, and a and a slightly uh, slightly sad own goal to win it. Oh, as well. a fantastic goal! That was pretty yeah. harsh, though. I mean, it was it was a great whipped cross and, a, and an absolute textbook own goal header. But I did, I, I really did enjoy. It seemed to be a a very very big moment for Carlos Queiroz as he sort of dropped to his knees and praised at the uh, at the own goal in the 95th minute it was quite a moment my my favorite my favorite own goals are ones that if it was like an actual striker who scored it you would be saying well that's a great goal <laughs> yes. that's what a finish that was one of them. <laughs> and this this yeah. was definitely one exactly of them, yeah. right it was a lovely old job wasn't it so that ended uh Iran, putting her on top of uh, of that yeah, group yeah who would have, have had that originally and then came the big one probably the biggest tie arguably the biggest tie in the first uh, round of games yeah 
Uh, Portugal versus Spain, Andy. Now wow. I've said, I I watched this game in the pub. Um, uh, the, a friend of mine had a friend down from Scotland, so they said, "Oh, we're going to go watch." So, so I thought, "Yeah, great." So I went into Oxford. Went there. Went to a pub. Um, pub absolutely rammed full of Portuguese and Spanish football supporters, <laughs> which made it absolutely incredible. Like the atmosphere was amazing. Um, obviously. Um, like heightened by the fact that it was an incredible game of football on the pitch and so often when when all the supporters and the pundits and the commentators make a big deal about this is the big game of the group stages quite often um, those are the ones that end up disappointing a little yes. bit but absolutely yes. none of it it was it was a joy to watch two sides um, both with a lot of promise going into this tournament um, going at it playing some attacking nice attacking football not being afraid not being afraid of defeat not being afraid of their opponents going out and making the most of it um i have and i, and I know you're going to get onto this side i have lots of problems with um with ronaldo cristiano ronaldo on a football pitch but the moment he st- stood up and took that free kick at the very end i i just had to take my hat off to him and go that is fucking brilliant it just it's fucking brilliant i'm sorry as much as i don't like the guy to be able to pull that off like you could you could see it in his eyes he was puffing his cheek out and i wanted to punch him <laughs> but you, you but you you saw him he said he's going to score this you just knew he was yes. going to score it messy with it we'll get onto it but messy with his penalty was the opposite of that yes. you just couldn't mm-hmm. see it well, in his also, eyes. tonight neymar had a free kick late on and, and was similarily disappointing as well yeah. um ronaldo's it was it looked effortless didn't it you know yeah yeah i'll, I'll give you i'll give you a little insight into my notes here <laughs> so i made some notes on the portugal uh, three spain three match it says Ronaldo shit tap trick <laughs> comma still a twat so this, so this I think annoyed that pretty me, much this annoyed me. It, it was labelled as a, an incredible hat trick it wasn't it was a very good third goal yeah. um, the first goal was a pen which you know was well taken pen the second goal clearly wasn't a very good goal it was a massive howler from the keepers it wasn't an incredible hat trick it was an incredible final goal um, well, I'll give great, it that great great segue Shiz because it's amazing. Given that shows what an incredible game that was, the first topic on the list isn't David De Gea, arguably the top keeper yeah. in the world, making an absolute howler. I mean, a, a, a howler of low it carriest levels, or maybe even worse, as we were discussing in the pub. People were shocked. I think it's probably worse. I mean, coming from David David De Gea, who is arguably one of the best keepers in the world, yeah. to make a mistake of that magnitude in that in that type of game it was shocking it was genuinely crucial moment as well genuinely shocking and and we haven't even mentioned nacho's goal or first goal (laughs) brilliant goal well i think when spain made the comeback actually it was when it was when (laughs) diego costa absolutely beasted his way through the portuguese defense and scored a fantastic goal it was that moment i was like hold on we're in the World Cup, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the World Cup's happening. You knew it, didn't you? But, oh, but my Na- goodness. Nacho's goal had oh, every yes. single person in the pub yeah. up off their chair, their hands in the air, and everyone was looking, looking, looking at each other going, oh my God! <laughs> it, I just it was love the, moments like that. the came through, and you saw how cleanly he hit it, yeah. and oh, you yeah. realised how, how good it was. And, and, and just briefly, put yourself in his shoes. You've, you've given away a penalty... Yeah, in the what was it, twelfth minute or whatever yeah. it was, against your teammate, your club teammate, Cristiano Ronaldo, and you then score that type of goal to put Spain three three two up. 
I mean that that's that was insane. It was absolutely glorious. It was pure football. And in, ter- in I terms, watched, in I terms of highlight the following morning, and I, I was struggling to remember the last time I saw an international game of football as good as that. I just couldn't. Yeah, I agree. Pick, you know, my, I was going all the way back to sort of England Holland in '96, for example, yeah. to try and remember as good a game, it and really I, that wasn't was even as good because it was very one-sided. You know, this was yeah. more of a, co- a competition, a spectacle. And I think I had Ronald uh, had Ronaldo not scored that 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 free kick at the end, it would have finished on a great story with Nacho's goal. And that's what I loved about that game. It didn't really matter what happened. It was absolutely jam packed, full of stories. And that is exactly what you want from a World Cup. It's, it was yeah, absolutely perfect in every single way. One of one of my favourite debates that was kicked off by this game was was everybody chatting with each other about how can Ronaldo be this good but also just be such a twat yeah. like everybody <laughs> hates him everyone hates him but he's so good it's it's incredibly frustrating I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to think about it anymore. Well, look, I mean, I mean, for for me, I can't stand the guy. But I, just as far as that game came was concerned, I just I had I had to take my hat off and and give him a round of applause for that because of that that free kick at that moment of the game was just a masterstroke. It was ace. Well, it really was, and that was uh, the end of the uh, games on Friday. And we're going to take a little break right now, and then we're going to come back and get deep into Why not? Swinging shot, brilliant. From Joe Cole and England are off and running. Well, the World Cup is off and running. England obviously not off and running until Monday night. And will we see the likes of the Joe Cole wonder volley? I don't know. Whatever happened to Joe Cole? Where does he play now? I think he's still playing, to be honest. It was um, it was after it was after that uh, that tournament, wasn't it? I think it was in the qualifiers for the next, which would have been the Euros. Um, and he was out of nowhere. He just suddenly had a couple of games, and he was incredible. And everybody suddenly thought, wait a minute, Joe Cole's the answer to all of our problems. He's the answer to all of our problems. And then he just vanished without a trace. Um, since Joe, 20- Joe Cole is playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies now. There you go. Well, he's a rowdy chap, isn't he's, he? He's essentially retired. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, on uh, Saturday, then, we had the four-game day. That was amazing. It was quite a day, wasn't it? It was great waking up and thinking, oh, I've got four deck games. My, my, my house started off quite tidy. Um, <laughs> and by the end of the day, it was a complete fucking state. There was clothes everywhere, food, crisp packets, and like, you know, yes. and just like plates and loads of washing up piled up. It was amazing. And it nearly so we started. had a number of errands to run on oh. Saturday. Oh, so, um, come on, errands. In, in trying to watch as much of these as I could, I've, I, I'm looking forward to the, the phone bill I've racked up <laughs> streaming on 4G all day. Well, you nearly missed a cup set in the opening game as uh, France almost tripped up against a rather decent-looking Australia team. They, they got away with it, didn't they, France? They did. I think my notes here say, France poor, comma, lucky. Mm. The I, disappointing thing here was, was that... In the four games previous, no one had ever barely mentioned a referee or a decision, and then clearly in this one, VAR took over, didn't it, and, yeah. and kind of got in the way of, of what could have been a good game. I mean, I mean, the, the, the VAR. I'm sure we'll get on to that, but I mean, I, I don't know whether we want to actually talk about it too much length because I think everybody's fucking sick of sick to death of hearing about <laughs> yes. it now. But, um, but in terms of that, I mean. It's the first game, and they're you know there's plenty of time for people to get up to speed. And in France, aren't the first big te- aren't the only big team to have started in their first game, which we'll come on to. But um, they looked really, really lethargic and slow and poor. And and I know and I know that is 
maybe a criticism that they've had, you know, they, they've they've taken under Didier Deschamps, like mm. they that they're just not a particularly exciting side that they should be with the personnel that they've got. But I think they, but nevertheless, nevertheless, I think they 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 just looked, they just looked really, they just looked disinterested. Yeah. I mean, so so one of their friendlies before the tournament, they played it, they played and beat Italy, and and were really really good. And and this the team that played on Saturday was a very similar eleven, and it was a sort of shadow of the side that that we'd seen pre-tournaments. So although, no, I, as you say, it's sort of a stuttering start, isn't it? And I'm sure they'll get better, but it, it was just a shame, really, because the players they have on the pitch, you, you'd like to see them play better. Although, of course, Italy are rubbish, having not qualified <laughs> for the World Cup. So, uh, But there is that. But um, but but credit to Australia, because they came yes. with the game plan, right? And and, and I, I saw them take a little bit of flack from some people, because everyone was saying they were the kind of defensive, like like Greece were in 2004. But I, I, actually, I actually didn't think they were that bad. I thought they were organised defensively, and they defended well. Yeah. But I didn't think that they just looked at that game and thought, right, we're going to just lock this down. And in fact, as the game wore on, particularly as the first half wore on, they realised France weren't going to do anything. They actually came out of their shell and they started yeah. playing some reasonable football. And I found myself in a very unusual situation that I was supporting an Australian sporting team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think everybody started to get behind Australia in that game. But sadly, they couldn't get the result they needed. And it was the own goal, wasn't it, that won it? The, uh, the ghost goal that was mm. given this time with goal line technology in a reasonably swift fashion. Uh, so that was quite good, and the goal then taken away from from poor old Paul Pogba. Right. Quite rightly so as well. Yeah, and he, def- he definitely so. didn't didn't deserve to get that goal. And the second game of the day was one that started to form perhaps an exciting and uh, rather nice World Cup story involving Peru. Now the funny thing is to think about all of this game and all of the uh, all of the love that's come out for Peru is they'd still lost a game, yeah. uh, but they put on a fantastic display against a rather rather boring Denmark. I mean, De- Denmark side is pretty functional. I remember we talking about them in the in the in the preview to this. They they've got a they've got like two or three pretty big name players. I mean, they got you know they've got some they obviously got some decent players. Um, like what Ericsson and um, what's the the Spurs centre half names escaping me at the moment. Um, but they yeah look, they look pretty good. They got decent players, but they they're quite functional. The rest of their side is kind of you know championship level kind of yeah. at best. Uh, Peru on the other hand, I mean their story is just wonderful anyway. They came in this first tournament since 1982. Yeah. Uh, they, they they've been followed by what like ten fifteen thousand fans something like that. A ridiculous number of people have made their way from South America. Um, and they they've done these little videos. Have you seen the little videos yes. that they've done for yeah. all of their opponents? Yeah. Magical. Um, everything ab- everything about them has has you know is is, is has, and it doesn't feel forced either. It doesn't feel mm. like this like a cynical ploy to try. Yeah. It is just like through a love of being a part of the World Cup again for the first time in such a long time, and I think that's wonderful. And you got Nobby Solano playing the trumpet on the touchline. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant stuff. I think now Peru is everyone's favourite second team now, isn't it? Everyone's yeah, behind so. the, the plucky Peruvians. Have, have you seen? There's there's this Newcastle United fan group who have got a Twitter account, and they're they're in Russia. And they're desperately tweeting Shearer and Solano, wanting to get them to join them in the pub. Get and I think both Shearer and Solano have acknowledged and replied to the tweets to say, oh, you know, if, <laughs> if we're in the right place at the right time, we will. So that would be great. Oh, that's good stuff. I did see a very chummy interview yeah, with right. Shearer yeah. and Solano, which was something quite nice. He's, he's not much of an interviewer, is he, Shearer? But there, there, was, there, was, there was just a wonderful little spark between them because they were clearly mates. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. great. So the next game in the day was a very interesting one. 
uh, Argentina versus Iceland. <laughs> now, my notes here are quite simple. It says, uh, they say Messi, Missy. Yeah. Iceland defensive. The final note. What I like about Iceland, so they're clearly very defensive. You know, yes. they, they their normal mode of playing is with lots of men behind the ball. But when they get a chance to go forward, they were regularly breaking with four, five, six players. So, you know, in, in those moments, they're actually really ambitious going forward. And I think in terms of the way the scoring went here, and it, and it also happened when England played Iceland, um, the old cliche of, you know, you're not... You, you're most vulnerable when you've just conceded. I think Iceland ploughing men forward just after they've conceded, it sort of threw the Argentina defence into panic a bit. And as I say, it's exactly what happened with England, which is why England and Argentina both conceded very soon after taking the lead against Iceland. Mm. So I don't I don't think they're as defensive as they're made out to be. It's not part of the bus for 90 minutes. They do sort of, when, when the moment sort of arises, they, they do go forward well. Well, my, my notes actually said felt like an England game. It very much did. It went down exactly as you would expect an England game against that kind of opposition to go down. And you're you're, you're absolutely right, Shiz. It's, it's the situation whereby if you are going to play a team that is extremely organised defensively, you can't concede a goal against them. It's going to be a big, big problem. And the thing is as well, is that, I mean, if you, if you take Iceland against, say, Greece in 2004, Greece in 2004, their entire game was strangle everything out of it, strangle the life out of the game, and that was it. And, and literally nothing else. Just take it to penalties if necessary. Um, and, mm. and that was their game plan. Whereas Iceland, this is, we are going to play to our strengths here. We can't take these people on at their own game. We play to our strengths. So we will be organised. We will be well-drilled. We will be defensive. Um, and we will just keep everything massively tight at the back. But but their, their game plan is still to win the football match. And they are still aiming to win the football match. They're not going out just to kill the football match to hopefully grind out a draw. They are still looking at ways of winning it, which is, which is incredibly impressive. And I think it's about time. The, the global football audience needs to stop patronising Iceland so much because yeah. they know clearly know what the fuck they're doing. Well, obviously they've done very well to get where they are now. Perhaps our performance from two years ago wasn't quite as bad as, as we think it was. Or? I know it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I think it probably was. Uh, uh, a note to, on Argentina, they were clearly similar to France. You know, they, they didn't really get going. Um, Aguero's goal was, was, a, was a really good goal and they, they mm. didn't really kick on from there. There was a few sort of moments towards the end. You know, Messi was sort of trying things. Clearly, he missed a penalty, which which was a big moment. But other than that, um, you know, they, they weren't think, they weren't massively the better side, I don't think. They, they need to I improve think a major, next game. A major problem uh, with this Argentina side is that they are looking for Messi all the time. It yeah. seems to be their only tactic. It puts too much pressure on Messi. And also, Messi isn't the kind of player that he's just going to do it on his own. He needs players around him. He needs to be working together and moving the ball. So it's quite, it was very, in fact, I say quite, it was very frustrating at times to watch that team constantly look for Messi and have Messi keep trying the same thing over and over again and getting nowhere. You know? Particularly when you've got strikers of the quality of, of, of Aguero on the pitch. Absolutely. I mean, it's just ridiculous that you would put all of your eggs in one basket when mm. you are a decent side going forward yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah and I, I really thought that they, they probably should have had Dybala on 
the pitch much earlier than than, he, than they did. I think he only came on very briefly towards the end of the game. Uh, so there is huge room for improvement for Argentina, as far as I can see it. So I think we will see better from them, but I think they, they really need to change up that tactic that they have at the moment. I mean, I think I think they're they're lucky in that they've got a, a relatively easy group. I think I think of all of the sides, and we'll come on to a couple of them, the other ones later. But of all of the sides who have underperformed. Um, in this tournament so far, the big names, so to speak, I think the two that are least likely to come back and and build on it and actually become a decent side uh, are Argentina and France. I think the the, the the players that we've seen later on in the weekend, the, the sides we've seen later on in the weekend, more likely to. But I don't. I I'm I'm not convinced we're going to see much more from either of those two sides. Well, do you think we're going to see any more from Croatia because they put together a very handy victory against the Nigerians, taking the game two 0 I mean, I I I thought Croatia looked pretty good. I mean, I think they I think they were they were kind of functional. I think we were, I was talking about this having seen them against Brazil. I think they kind of got a, a decent hard work ethic, if yeah. you like. Um, they're not a spectacular side, but but they want to get forward. They want to play some football. I thought they came up against a, a pretty unorganized weirdly flat Nigeria side um, so I, I, I'd be interesting to see how Croatia actually do when they come up against somebody who who's, who, who are up for the it's game coming, of football more, yeah. yeah it'd be interesting to see what happens yeah. with Nigeria where they've got more in them their, their pre-tournament friendly against England they were better in the second half when they changed their system a little bit but they were absolute garbage in the first half against England they weren't so. wearing their new bloody nice kit yeah, were they? Probably, that was a problem I think that might have been the so, problem so on Thursday is Argentina v Croatia so that'll be a Test for both of those sides. Mm. That is gonna, that's going to be an interesting game, actually, because yeah, well. I because I think Croatia are exactly the kind of side that Argentina might struggle against. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. really do. No, that game's going to be very interesting. We're going to be on the beach for that one. Yes, boys. we're going to be on the beach. Uh, yeah, so uh, Croatia two, Nigeria nil. I thought my favourite thing about this game was the uh, in the build-up to the game as they were showing the, the fans in the crowd, it was quite clear that all of the Croats in the crowd were absolutely wasted. Yeah. And I loved it. There were some very uh, some very uh, rosy-cheeked young Croats in the crowd. What there. I've noticed as well is drinking beer in, in your seat seems to be permitted, which yeah, is a nice touch as well. There, there seems to be a trend, not just for beers, but for sort of large... Brightly coloured alcoholic beverages. I, I don't know what they are, but they look great. They look like Budweisers, I think. I think they're massive, massive, big kind of glass, well, they're plastic cups of Budweiser. Nice. I, I do wonder if that's going to be the case when England are in town. I'm not sure that's necessarily <laughs> the best plan, not. the best plan of action if it's the last game of the day as well. Perhaps not. And so the last game in this uh, in this quadruple of matches on Saturday was Costa Rica versus Serbia, and Serbia sneaked the one 0 win. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought uh, it wasn't a, a massively interesting game. I didn't think. I think it was a, it was a, it was a bit of a flat end to what was a decent, decent day's worth of football. Mm. Um, but uh, I thought Serbia, for their part, I mean, they've obviously got some, they've got some decent players and, and some players we know, we know quite well over here. But um, they, 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 they looked all right going forward, didn't they? They looked like they looked like they've yeah. got kind of fairly well drilled side. I, I, think, I think defensively they have a very good team. Though. I think I think the biggest I think yeah they do and I think their biggest problem is is they haven't got a massive amount of fire firepower up front. I mean, they've got like, a mid, firepower mid- from the set piece there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely cracking free kick and it, from collar off, and it was yeah, an absolute belter. But then you're looking at people like Mitrovic is your is your Mitro, is your, there is your, 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 your your major outlet and. 
Metro of, of the World Cup. Who'd of, have thought it? Of all of the people, now we we, we spoke about John Joe Shelby um, prior to the tournament. Are you just having a bag at all no, no. the Newcastle players? Well, Is that what's going on? Well, yes, partly. Um, <laughs> but no, um, John Joe Shelby played. Um, for Swansea, actually, at the Kassam Stadium against Oxford United, and he was the worst player I've ever seen at the, the on, Kassam man. Stadium. Um, <laughs> Mitrovic, on, Mitrovic, played, Mitrovic, Mitrovic played for Newcastle United when we twatted them 3-0 in the third round of the FA Cup, fourth round of the FA Cup, sorry. Um, Mitrovic was the second worst footballer <laughs> I've seen at the Kassam Stadium. He had an absolute horror show now he might be better than that but i have no evidence to say that he's actually any better than that well, so you're gonna you're gonna have to wait for the next game to find out well, we'll if he's see. got anything going on but it's just he's, great to see Mitra out there I he's, think. Done a, he's done all right at fulham since uh, uh since the new year i've um, seen that i've seen no evidence of that yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's he's one of those he's one of those players that's a little bit enigmatic a bit of a uh you know, a Cantonar type that strolls around a little bit. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Right, while you muse on the uh, mystical natures of Metro, we're going to take a little break, bit break and then we'll be back with today's games. And chipped in. And pulling in. And it's there by David Platt. England have done it in the last minute of extra time. Oh, it sends shivers down your spine, doesn't it? That goal woke me up. Woke you up? Well, yeah, in 1990, I was 10 years old, and it yeah. was en- extra time, and it was really late in the evening, and I was 10, and I'd fallen asleep, and my brother, <laughs> my brother stood up and went, like that went, that went in, and that woke me up. Excellent. I mean, if, if any goal's going to wake you up, it might as well be that one. I think my favourite part of it is, in, is, is when you see uh, them run down to celebrate, and they just kind of jump into a pile on the yeah. floor. Yeah, bundle. And, 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 and Lineker yeah. sort of goes that backwards yeah. just with a great grin on his face. Yeah. He just turns around and he's like, yeah. can you believe it? <laughs> Look what we just did. And you get, you get that lovely clip of Bobby Robson doing his little job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all I really want from this World Cup is for us to have that moment. Just to have oh, yeah. a moment that we yeah. can take away with us. Well, I saw, I saw the I saw the footage of, of that goal the other day, and like the the longer footage, so the the, the move leading up to the free kick, yeah. yeah. And Gascoigne goes on this run, yeah. like he's in yeah. the middle of his own half, past about five players, then gets hacked down, then gets up and takes that perfect free kick. It's really good. And and just the just the foresight for him just to just to do that kind of long clip to the back of the penalty yeah. area like that, because it was quite deep. Well, it was like 40, 50 yards yeah. out, wasn't it? Mm. What a fucking wonderful free kick it was, and mm. what a finish from Platt oh dear well and talking about wonderful scenes the next game was quite something this was Germany versus Mexico now I always I always target Mexico games and World Cup to watch because they are always entertaining and this was no different Shiz what, what, tell us about this it, it well as you it, it was great I mean I, I think this differed from some of the other shocks we've seen in that I thought Germany looked pretty good and, and, and towards the end they looked really good um, they had chance after chance um, so I, I think we'll see more from them in, in mm-hmm. following games um, I, we mentioned in the last pod they don't have a single superstar or a couple of superstars that showed a bit because they didn't sort of have a single person they you know they didn't have a Ronaldo they could look towards to sort of produce something it was all the very functional methodical play and obviously it didn't quite get there but for Mexico it was brilliant they, they played really really well um, what I liked 
specifically um so at the end you know players were in tears they were so happy at this you know and fans were in tears you could see how much it meant to the entire country just to beat germany and we've said previously they their record in world cups is that they they almost always get to the knockout phase of, of the tournament you know they're consistently yeah. decent team so based on this result i expect we're going to see the same again from them fantastic showing in the stadium as well from from mexican fans absolutely brilliant we noticed that as soon as the camera cut to the in-stadium shot, you heard the Mexican fans. I was like, shit, this is a home game for the Mexicans, it for was. sure. It was. I, th- I think what impressed me most was particularly the second half. I mean, Germany threw everything at Mexico, and they just they just battered them away again and again. Yeah, and again. I think Rafael Mar- Marquez was actually an excellent substitution yeah. coming in there mm-hmm. and shoring things up in the midfield. A, gr- uh, a player that's worth mentioning, having now played in five worlds. Unbelievable achievement. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Staying at that level at a very high quality team as well for 20 years I mean, it's quite something it really is I, I think the thing one of the things that, that impressed me most about them is I mean it, in, in, it was evidenced by the fact that they were all crying at the end mm. was was how much effort I mean there were bodies on the line throughout this and yeah. just just loose little balls bouncing around in the middle of like the middle of their half because they were like backs to the wall everybody was in the, their penalty area the ball but like their their players were basically almost killing themselves to be first right. to a 50 yeah. 50 or even like a 60 40 in favor of the, the, the German uh, midfielder they would come in and they would they would win the ball and there was just that extra effort to every single thing they did um they I have absolutely no idea how many times they caught Germany on the counter-attack. The thing that really fascinated me is that Germany just did not learn they just no. did they just did not adapt their game to fit it and it's interesting because my brother said one thing because we were watching it and we were we were kind of getting quite nervous towards the end and he mm. was saying the thing that worries me is that germany aren't bothered here like because they know they're gonna they're gonna equalize they know <laughs> they're gonna go off there because because that's what they do because yeah. they because they're that good they just they don't lose these kinds of games they're just a, a quality outfit and and i actually think that was their biggest problem i actually think germany believed that because there wasn't there wasn't that kind of sense of urgency towards the end. This they were pouring everything at Mexico, but they were still going about it in their methodical fashion. And I think sometimes you need that edge, that you need that extra little bit, which even at that point they didn't have. And yet Mexico had that on the defensive constantly. The yeah. the Germany you did fear the worst for, for for Mexico. Every time they went forward and broke forward, sort of three on two and fluffed a chance, you kind of thought, oh, you know, they're going to regret that because Germany are going to score. You know, yeah. and they, as you say, they must have had four or five almost clean breakaways and just couldn't quite make the right final pass so they i think that they did really well to hold on in the end the the german players at the final whistle really looked rattled i yeah. would say it, it was almost like they didn't know how to react how to to think about what, yeah. what just happened they've got they've got some great players but mm. if you looked if you looked around at that team especially someone like tony Kroos in the middle of the park fantastic part of the ball ice cold you know never seems phased by anything but Partly because of that mentality, he doesn't grab the game by the scruff of the neck. No. We didn't see Tony Cruz going, fucking get get on it, get down there. You know, he wasn't marshalling the team into or some it, great big effort. Or they Hummels, just, or Hummels, no, or Boateng exactly. at the back. Just like you said, Andy, they just kept following the same pattern. It's like, well, we'll do it soon. Let's roll it's it really out, let's interesting go again. in these four-team groups because before the tournament we were saying, "Oh, Germany will get through this group pretty easily. They'll win most of those games." <clears throat> but, but having lost the first one, they're now thinking, "Shit, we've we've got to we want to win this group. We need to win both of the other games." Mm. And whilst on paper they should 
clearly, as we've seen, it, it's not that easy. It takes an off, you know, a mistake or something brilliant, and all of a sudden they've drawn another game, and they think, shit, we might not go through here. And that is, and and, and I think, Jono, you, you nailed it on the head there. Is is they look rattled, and and I've not seen a Germany side look rattled like that, but not not for a very long time. Yeah. And I and I and I think and I and. And I think that's a problem for them because because and that was the pro- possibly one of the problems they had today is because they don't really know how to lose a game of football and they've not been used to losing it and they didn't know what to do against adversity. They 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 know they I mean throughout the most actually they didn't start massively quickly last time round but nevertheless they still look always kind of looked confident they always kind of looked like a purring machine. Whereas I don't know I don't know how they're going to get out of that. I mean they 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 probably they've got enough talent in that side that they could and should but you wonder whether or not they've got it, got it mentally don't know they're going to go on and win the world cup now aren't they <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah almost, yeah, almost said. and like was it when spain won it they lost their first game didn't they so you know it does happen they but, are the only other teams have ever done that though. really so, is that right okay that's right so there, there was a stat going around earlier today i think it's something like in the last four world cups the team that have won the previous world cup goes out in the groups in the next world cup yeah, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. well there you go uh so Final uh, final game of uh, the weekend, which we've just watched, uh, which was the Brazil match. Now, this uh, had a lovely little twist in it, didn't it? I was I thoroughly enjoyed that game of football. I, I always kind of slightly um, feel apprehensive whenever Switzerland are, 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 are listed because I sort of suffer from watching them. Was it in 2008? I think it was when they were massively, massively defensive and they were yeah. god-awful dreary, just locked the games down. Um, I mean, I think they, they, they were still a defensive unit in this game. They weren't They they weren't coming out to play... I mean, they would have been foolish to try and play Brazil yeah. at their own game. Mm. So they did play it. They locked it down. They kept it fairly tight. Um, and I thought they were thoroughly, thoroughly deserving of their point. I thought fantastic strategy, really, from, from Switzerland. They knew exactly what they had to do. They put players in positions to do it, and I especially enjoyed the fact that Barami was sent out in midfield to basically just piss off Neymar as much as he could, and he did a grand old job. He, he, he job, really did. Yeah. I also think the interesting. Also, watching Brazil, you know, clearly there's a lot of flair, there's a lot of skill, there's a lot of pace, and for for periods in the game, certainly at the beginning, that they looked pretty good actually then they sort of dipped and it got me thinking you know to, to be successful playing the way they try to play you do rely on a lot of these flicks and tricks coming off a lot of the time you know yeah. and the, the, clearly the, the chance of that happening is often fairly slim I, I'm, and you saw towards the end they didn't really know what else to do they, they didn't have another way of playing that didn't rely on all the you know all this skillful play connecting to each other so um yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to their next game. Actually, now to to see to see what happens because I I didn't see enough of them today to make me think. Yeah, they might win this tournament. I mean, I think that's one of the points I, I was making to the guys earlier, and I and I think I probably I pro- I was probably overly harsh on Bobby Firmino when he had a he had a shot, but but the, the kind of the, the general point behind what I was saying I think rings true with what you're saying there, Shuri, is that that at the moment they look like they they're a side that. That, that, that want to grandstand a little bit too much and they want to rely on kind of grandstanding moments a little bit too much you saw it with everything that Neymar did when he had the ball at his feet he did this thing you know that that little thing where he stands there and just does nothing yeah yeah um and and then Barami comes in and goes all right then I just kick you then um <laughs> like, like it, it just it just that, that just that slight that slight kind of maybe we want to do this a bit too stylishly and when that comes off and it will come off them 
at least once during this tournament. I don't C- doubt it for a second. Coutinho's goal was pretty special. It, it, it was, and it was a belter, really. I mean, a second best goal of the tournament, maybe, top, behind yeah, Nacho's. Top, top, top few, yeah, yeah. yeah. top few. Um, but, but, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, I mean, Barami's performance, I think, is one of the performances of the World Cup so far. I just thought, I thought they he had to nullify Neymar because mm. they were going to try and play everything through Neymar um, and he did that but we were saying this earlier what, what I was really impressed with is that he didn't do it by just going and kicking lumps out of him because that because that can be the way to approach a player like him yeah. but he, he got in his he was physical with him and he made him know he was there and he was doing things to try and piss him off just by kind of being a bit shithousing and just kind of having the football at his feet and not letting Neymar anywhere near it but nevertheless yeah. he, he did it in a relatively fair way so fair play yeah well and, he, and when he did finally get booked probably just for racking up far too many fouls they obviously took him off didn't they because you know they sort of fear what might happen there. And it was only then that Neymar did seem to get a bit more time on the ball, which, which again, just underlines how well he played. I will also say as well, from Brazil, Brazil's point of view, they want us for that, but defending better than that if they're going to win this, this tournament, because that, that corner was absolute garbage. Yes. Absolute yeah, very, garbage very from them. And they, they'll, they'll get mullered by decent opposition if, if they defend like that. Yes, right. Well, that's all the games. I mean, unbelievable collection of games. Some absolute crackers in there. Spain, Portugal, especially uh, Germany, Mexico was a great one. Brazil, Switzerland too. Like a series of fantastic. Even matches. the low-scoring games have been really good games of football. It's been so good to see. And uh, and no nil-nil draws yet. A goal. No red cards one. either. I don't no think red cards there. either. Hold so. on to your stats because we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll do a couple of stats and then uh, right. we'll round up any other business. This is Owen, taking in his stride, Shamrock trying not to bring him down, it's still Michael Owen, he scored a wonderful goal, is there nothing beyond this 18 year old? Bloody hell, that seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Uh, what, what excites me is we've got loads of players this year who are capable of doing that. You know, you really hope we have a moment like that. Yeah, oh, let's hope so. Uh, so yeah, so just talking about some stats, have you had six penos? already in this World Cup and two missed penos and we 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 had I think it was like in on the second day we'd had more missed penalties than the entire yeah. of the last World Cup because mm. in the last World Cup there were 12 penalties in total and 11 of them were scored wow so yeah was... we've had three own goals as well which is quite special yeah you're right <laughs> I do love a World Cup own goal but yeah, except when it's, you know, like, well, inevitably, like... Gary Cahill. Gary Hale, yes. Yes. Yeah. Although, yeah. although all, well, we'll get on to England, but... Yeah, just... Or that Colombian bloke who then got killed, oh, Come course. on, now. That, wasn't oh, such a good that was not so good. Yeah. Uh, talking about things that were maybe a little bit unjustified, not quite to that level, but the Spanish press tore into uh, David De Gea uh, after his howler, and he was uh, given a lot, a lot of jip on the headlines of most Spanish newspapers the day after the game. And they'd run a poll before the World Cup about goalkeepers. And De Gea was clearly the the, the, the nation's favourite. Uh, over, I think, 85% uh, suggested he should be in goal. They re-ran the poll after the game. And now it's 50-50. So there's now a call uh, from half of the uh, Spanish nation to put Kepa into uh, into goal instead of De Gea. Not, not I, think, Pepe, I think it's not unlikely Pepe De Gea Rain. would have seen any of that. Um, uh, also, I think it's also incredibly unlikely he'll make such a mistake again this World Cup, um, given how good he is. So I, I, I don't think it's going to 
affect him or Spain that much actually. I'm 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 just glad it's not just a, this country. It's not well, just yeah, exactly. England that's got like fucking dog shit press and dickhead supporters. Yeah, yeah. Like because because that's just ridiculous reaction. Yeah, well, you know, the single mistake was enough to to effectively end Paul Robinson's career. Yeah. And uh, Rob Green. And Rob Green. Yeah. Scott Carson. Um, I've got an interesting factoid <laughs> from the Russia game. Go on. So the guy who scored just before half-time, and then he got another one in injury time in the second half, um, is the first ever sub to score in a World Cup opener. Well, there you go. That's a there very, you go. That is a very niche stat. That is great work. I don't know what we're doing on goals yet. I think the Russia game somewhat skews it, but we haven't had a nil-nil draw. Which I know. No, the average must be like three goals a game or something like that. It's it's been good. It's been pretty good. No nil nil draws is great because there's there's often, especially in this very first round, you often get a lot of real dour affairs. Well, this this is what's the really nice thing because exactly that. Normally, first game, people are just desperate not to lose it, um, which is why you, as you say, you do get a lot of draws. But it, it it seems to be the absolute opposite. Everybody seems desperate to win the first game this time. Yeah, quite. Oh, another great another great thing that that kind of triggered in my memory when I was watching the Costa Rica game and I saw Oscar Ramirez the uh, Costa Rica manager in the dugout I was reminded why it's not Paolo Wanchop in the dugout because do you remember he was caught on camera punching a steward I think in 2015 that lost him the job it was an unbelievable incident I can't remember the situation now but but yeah there was a there was a genuine brawl yeah um, which heavily involved Paolo Wanchop oh Paolo yeah he was a hot-headed fellow so it's uh it's about two and a half goals per game. <laughs> You've been doing some maths yeah. over there. Yeah, well, no, well done. eleven games. I think it is. We've got twenty-five goals. Okay, so. very good, very good. Well, boys, anything else from the World Cup before we get on to talking about the big one tomorrow night? Uh, no, I've just really enjoyed it. Really it's been have. brilliant. Absolutely it's been pretty damn good, hasn't to the, it? To the point where I have absolutely no idea what days I've watched games on now. It's just every day, all the time. And the fact that I have now have the next week off work and I'm going oh, to watch every yes. single game. Very it's going to be nice amazing. Indeed. So, tomorrow evening, England will play Tunisia and we will be well and truly underway. From the look of some press reports, it looks like I might get my way and Gary Cahill yeah. will not be starting. That seems to be guessing. That seems to be the the, the general consensus, doesn't it? Um, uh, that that Maguire is going to be starting with um, Stones and Walker as the back three. I think the because uh, and this is obviously the the, the big change, isn't it? That the um the, the Gareth Southgate has told the the players like two days before yeah. the game that they're the who's going to be starting. Which, I mean, I understand why. Pl- managers might want to make a decision late because obviously they want to take every single possible permutation into account but I think it's one of the differences with, with Gareth Southgate is that he's got things settled he's been working from quite some time now as to exactly what setup he wants what players what personnel he wants to be involved there might be little tweaks here and there based on a bit of form and a bit of kind of um, you know how they've been doing in training stuff like yeah. that but on the whole he has a good vision of what he wants but also so much of this has been about settling the players and making sure those players know exactly what is expected of them two days in advance before the game means that they are going into tomorrow especially as they've got two games before theirs tomorrow they're all going into the next day totally prepared totally set out mentally exactly know what everybody needs to do and what their roles are which i think can only be a good thing yeah it's very rare that i've personally gone into a major championship with so much confidence in the team and I'm, i'm not saying 
confident as in we're going to win every game 5-0. Oh, I just I just mean that, um, for example, if Gary Cahill starts or if Maguire starts, I'm not that concerned. Um, I'm fairly confident that Gareth knows what he's doing uh, and that he will pick the best team for the opposition. What about... Yeah, no, as you say, it's, it's not knowing we'll win every game, but it, it's confidence that we'll... You know, we'll put in a good showing. Yes, you know, absolutely. There'll come, a, there'll come a point where that isn't good enough, and we'll all understand that. But just just knowing that we've played pretty much as well as we can is, is all we can hope for. What about in midfield? Are we going to see our man uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek? Are we going to see him? Maybe in the off the bench. I think off the bench. The, yeah. word, the word is that the, the midfield, I think, is going to be. So it's going to be Henderson as the, the holding, and then it's going to be Daly Alley and Lingard. Lingard. In, ahead of him and then obviously with, uh, yeah. with Kane and Sterling up top my only concern with with Deli Ali a little bit deeper with a little bit more responsibility in midfield is that he might get himself a little cheeky uh, booking or two I I'm, I'm I mean you know I don't I don't of, of all the you know of all the players that we've taken to World Cups who are who are risky of a of a booking or two I, I don't have that too much for him no I, no he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't scream. You know, he's no John Joe Shelby. Put it that way. He, he definitely isn't a John Joe Shelby. I mean, and we'll realise that on Monday, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, okay. Well, I think if we do start with Henderson, I think that's probably better than starting with Dyer and, and having Lingard and Ali is a little bit more attacking in, in the centre of the park. So I think that's probably pretty good. And then look at the look at the talent we've got coming off the bench. The attacking talent we have got coming off. I'm the bench very is excited great. about seeing Jamie Vardy come off the bench because I think that the and teams will not be prepared for his type of play in the 75th yeah, minute and Rashford coming off the bench as well bacon rashers on I mean, comes. Honest, honestly like just looking at like players like coming like that coming off the bench if he does what he did in the Costa Rica pre-tournament friendly yeah. if he comes on and does that he's, he's going to light the World Cup up it really yeah. is honestly because he's, he's wonderful it, it's yeah. better. It's better than having Darius Vassell coming. Off the <laughs> <bench>. <laughs> well, what I really hope is that is that Southgate does go to Rashers before he goes to Welbeck, for example, because I think Welbeck would be an easy sub but a very boring one. Well, it's, it's, it's horses for courses, isn't it? And it depends on what you need, and it depends who you're playing. Depends on the nature of their defence. Um, Welbeck did well coming off the bench again. No, no, he started. He start. No, he came off the bench again. Came off the bench. Yeah, yeah, and he came on. And he got the goal. Yeah. And 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 actually, he did exactly what he was needed needed to do and I think that because I count myself as among them having questioned whether or not it was sensible bringing Welbeck but I think he showed exactly why the re- why he's brought him because he gives you a different dimension to the attack that all of the other attacking options we got right really yeah fair point well then uh, here we are we are deep inside the World Cup and after tomorrow so will be England and we'll see how they do have we got any more for any more before we close out today's pod well, I don't want to end on too depressing a note. Oh, God. Oh, well, John, well, no. Here we go. Well done, oh. Well, no, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, England have um, an unenviable World Cup record, which is they have the uh, highest number of goalless draws <laughs> in the competition. <laughs> that does not surprise me. Ele- Eleven. So let's just hope that uh, they don't ex- extend that record. Tomorrow. I think we're a very yeah. different England now. Yeah. No. 
I think so. I've, I've got a couple of bits of AOB. So, so firstly, wasn't it hilarious that the Premiership fixtures came out the day the World Cup started? Yeah. Um, um, no. Most people, yeah. they didn't even notice, but, but Sky, bless them, because they didn't have any World Cup coverage, <laughs> their main headline was the Premier League fixtures, and this game was happening on Boxing Day, and oh, no one God. gave a shit. It was so funny. Excellent. But more importantly, because this is the World Cup podcast, um, on the day the World Cup started, it was also the voting for the 2026 yes. World Cup, mm. which a combined bid of USA, Canada, and Mexico won. Um, I'm going to have a mini rant about this. Cool. Um, I won't take long. So the, the positive thing, firstly, the nation or the bid that, that's most set up and capable of hosting a tournament won it, which, which was good to see. And also, from everything I've read, it seemed to be a sort of fair and transparent process. So there are signs that FIFA is sorting itself out as well. Um, the thing I'm ranting about is, it's, so it's 48 teams, and I'm not necessarily ranting about it being more teams, although that does have its disadvantages. What I'm particularly pissed off about, so I was I, I researched what the structure is going to be, because um, clearly at the moment there's, there's there's eight groups, and the top two go through to, to a knockout round. With 48, um, groups of four doesn't then split evenly into a knockout. So was it going to be you could have sort of groups of six and the top two go through? Maybe that might work. Or groups of four and then some of the third place teams. What they're doing is having 16 groups of three teams. What? Um, who play each other once and the top two go through to a... a 36 team first <laughs> knockout round so <laughs> it, uh, it, the thing that probably crazy. irks me the most actually i mean a, a group where you only play two games is, is just stupid yeah but for the vast majority of teams well no actually no not for the vast majority for a third of the teams and they're going to be the small nations they're going to go all the way to the bloody world cup all the expense and effort associated with that and they're going to go home after having played only two games yeah. it's, it's a real yeah. shame you know if you, they could have done groups of six where everybody plays yeah, you get games, a good few games. Top yeah. two go through to 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 a knockout round, the same as the knockout rounds at the moment. It just feels like, you know, as expected, really, they've done it. For, there's obviously marketing reasons and there's TV reasons and the, as to why they've chosen it, but it just seems the wrong format to me. One one of the other reasons they've done, well, the main reason they've done it is this. Uh, this is Infantino's kind of just as just Johnny, in, Johnny Baby. Yeah, Johnny Baby. Johnny Baby's like version of um of what's his chops um. He's gone to prison, or should have done blatter. Blatter, blatter set, set blatter sucking up to the 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 African nations. Um, this is this is his way of getting himself voted in by the smaller nations because they think with him creating the forty eight team World Cup, we've got a better chance of making it to a World Cup of, of playing two games. Yeah, but that's yeah exactly, and that's that's the biggest problem because you're going to have more more smaller nations like like Timor Leste and like the Falkland Islands and like Scotland, um, and and all of these like people who didn't ought to be at World Cups going and yeah playing two games and then disappearing again. It's just it's ridiculous. Well, what I don't know is is the ratio of teams whether it's going to be the same ratio per per continent as we see now or whether they're going to sort of. Because at the moment, some parts of the world only get sort of a couple of places, don't they? I'm not quite sure how they're going to split it. Um, you know, clearly, if there's more European teams going, the likes of Italy and Netherlands won't be missing out. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, what I do know is that we don't have to worry about it for a very long time. What we do have to worry about is getting England through this first game against yep. Tunisia. So come on, the lads, and hopefully that all goes well. And what I'm going to do at the end of the show from now on, I'm going to challenge uh, the three of you chaps... To finish the show, rather than your usual uh, outro, I'm just going to ask you to name a single player. And uh, this might be a player that's going to do something good or something bad over the next few days before we come back for the next pod. So, Can it be a player who's already performed? Or do we oh, need yeah, to be yeah, whoever, whoever, whoever you think, Neil. So I'm going to start, okay. with, start with Andy. 
Jordan Pickford. <laughs> Jono. Gary Cahill. Anil. Christian Eriksen. Right, and on those notes, uh, I'm going to say goodbye for another week, and I'm going to say you can find us uh, on at WorldyPod on Instagram and Twitter, or you can email us at WorldyPod at gmail.com, and we will catch you again on Worldy next time. England!